Hi there, this is Jim the Keys Bartender. Uh, if you're not familiar with the Keys Bartender podcast, it's a podcast about Keys life and bartending. We're in the beginning, we are in the summer. This is it. Um, well, the Keys seemed like we were in summer since March. It's a little warmer right now. Um, kind of like our locals are going on vacation. People aren't. I guess they're when it gets hot. Who knows where people are going right now? I guess we'll, we will know where they're going. It doesn't seem like they're down here right now. But we're expecting a big boost in tourists and locals or seasonal or people that have vacation homes coming down for July 4th. So, you know, the thing about podcasts is that they last forever, but every so often there's seminal events that occur. Like, I wasn't around, uh, I was around, but I wasn't uh, podcasting in 2001. And I imagine we would have been talking about 9-11. And if you can remember our COVID episodes, God, that was six months, I guess. That was, uh, that was weird but there's always like a news event that kind of seizes on people's attention and this past one this last week was a a deep submersible that got uh, where it was for I want to phrase it correctly so I'm not I want to be neutral in this even though I did speak my case you know that people pay 250000 to get on this, uh, five people to get on this submersible. I guess one of the people on it were uh, someone from the company. And it went down to see the Titanic. And as I found out later, like everyone else, that the Titanic was at 6,000 feet. The submersible was rated officially rated to 1613 or 1600 something like that and it imploded and they went over uh, in the news stories they went over what happens when a submersible implodes um the thing that i wanted to talk to applies about to bars really you don't want your bar to descend into whatever Whatever your bar is, you know, well, it could be. You could have a clan bar, so it's always going to be racist, right? But most bars aren't like that. I don't know if there's any. Um, I'm sure there's a clan bar out there where they let stuff like that. But uh, generally, most bars are middle of the road. You don't want them to be too outrageous. And this um, thing with this submersible getting... Uh, Incommunicado, I think it was. The, the, the communication cord or something got uh, tangled and it got separated and um, they had a big search thing going on and everyone needed to chime in. Now, I have to admit, uh, I thought, well, people pay 250000 for the pleasure of going into a craft that wasn't um, vetted or, you know, wasn't certified for that. Not that there's a lot of craft that are certified to go down the 6,000 feet. But what I did know 
what I did know is not to post, you know, there's you, people have visceral feelings about news events and subjects that come up when they when you hear some big, big there's big topic out topics out there. There's right to choose. There's abortion. Uh, I know that's the same thing. I just phrase it two different ways. Uh, there's gun rights and there's environmental uh, issues and forest fires and stuff. And whenever you hear a big story like that, you're bound to have a feeling, a gut reaction to it. And But that doesn't mean you have to have to voice everything you want about it. And what happens at a bar when people start commenting on some of these really, uh, I don't want to call them brutal, but they're, they're life-changing events, really. People remember these things. It's certainly life-changing for the people in the submersible uh, that passed away, but uh, I keep on calling it submarine, whatever, your, your tourist submarine. And I, I'm not making light of it. Five people did die. And I say, you know, try not to speak ill of the dead. Try to do that. But then again, you don't want to pitch these people as, uh, you know, uh, brave scientists going to the bottom. Of the ocean. It's, it's just, it's in between. It's in between these things. So everyone has an opinion on that. But the problem w- with that opinion, it comes with a lot of feelings and here in the keys which is probably different than a lot of uh, views you'll see in it across the united states there's a lot of sympathy for the people in that submersible that passed away those men because we're in a diving culture here now granted it's not that deep where we dive it you know most of the time it's not more than 60 feet uh, in the far Florida Keys, because we don't have that many areas much deeper than that. So we're not like saturation divers or diving bell divers and things like that, even though they are here. Uh, they, they're, uh, I guess the general population exposed to diving is, um, is more prone to sympathy for those people. But you see, on social media, people making comments and posting memes about people that die. Yes, yes, you can if you were going to make the argument these were well-to-do people, anybody with $250,000 in order to go sightseeing on a trip. How questionable it is have to be categorized as wealthy. They're similar people, maybe not on the same, as the people that go uh, attempt to try uh, climb Mount Everest. Now, the Mount Everest one is even, I have to say, you know, people post it as like, it's, it's a life-changing event. You got, I think a, a couple of years ago, it would cost you $80,000 base to go there. And that's to pay for all the equipment, all the training, your base camps, your guides, those um, the Sherpa Sherpa guys that have to uh, the guides that have to carry up the oxygen for the people. They carry up oxygen for wealthy people, more wealthy people than you know. I I characterize anybody having eighty thousand dollars to spend on something like that as wealthy. And so if you were looking at it that way, that whole mountain, 
uh, Mount Everest, when people pass away, when they're at the very top, a lot of times, a lot of times, their bodies are left there. Because it is a quite a chore to bring them back. I'm not saying all of them, but there's probably a, a decent amount of uh, bodies left up there. If you think about, you know, a snowstorm coming along, someone deprived of oxygen, you go through. Uh, I guess there's no chance with the, the the cardio problems I had in March that I'm even if I had the wherewithal uh, and the inclination. I guess you have to have the wherewithal and the inclination. You have the ability to pay and do that. You would go and do that. But I don't laugh at the people that die on the top of Mount Everest, even though it is not a hospitable place for people to go. It's not a usual activity for people to go above 20-something, you know, 26,000 feet where the air is super thin and it's very cold and there's treacherous, you know, uh, there's ice and snow and crevices and all this stuff that you you have to deal with up there um, is not really how I'd want to go. But people engage on these kind of, in, in these behaviors all the time and it just seems to happen. Uh, we have trust in the experts when they go. The people that go, they're paying 250000 to go down in a submersible to view Titanic. The assumption may be, which, I mean, I think I would vetted it a little more if I was that person with the money. Uh, I would check to see what the experts say about the uh, resilience of the conveyance. You know, how, how well it'll stand up. And most engineers said that was not, uh, I guess, involved with it. There were people that were involved with the, the uh, construction of it, and the manufacture of it, that they, uh, they didn't think it was a good idea. It, you know, because of its rating was much, it was to a much lower depth. Let me say lower depth, not greater depth. Uh, more shallow if you consider 1,300 feet more shallow. But just the, to get back to the core of the principle, when you allow a conversation to take place at your bar where people can take very harsh stances, and that is like carelessly dismiss people's, the loss of life. That is not the vibe most places want to uh, continue. We're going to say, listen, you can, you can say something. Uh, recently I said, you know, it's ironic that it happened and that they paid, and I may have pitched it the wrong way, $250,000 for the privilege of going down there without really knowing exactly what they were getting into. And there were some people suggesting they knew when they were getting into submersible, that there was a very good chance they wouldn't come back. And I said to someone, no one pays $250,000 to go on in, into a submarine thinking that's a 50-50 you know, shot that you come back. Now, 50-50 is if you have a certainty, let's say if you, the only time you take a 50-50 shot at success for something like that is if it was life or death. 
right? If you had to go, for some reason, had to go down there. But you got to be careful because the, the people that you cultivate that kind of conversation, it sets the tone. And it sets it. It's, and you got to be careful what you're commenting on yourself because you don't want to be totally heartless. With these, I mean, I, um, there is a certain animosity at certain places in our society towards the ultra-wealthy. There's certain, like, uh, a certain uh, fuck you, like you got what you deserved. And just like, uh, you know, down here, people are very keen to make sure that they're you know, they're, they're, they're about animal rights, taking care about your pets and things like that. You know, people, they're just as uh, readily to report someone who leaves their car locked up in on a hot summer, uh, leave their dog locked up in a hot car on a hot, you know, hot day as any place in the country. But if you talk about someone, uh, to someone who's working class and you talk to them about a millionaire dying in an implosion, they go, well... They're fucking idiots. They shouldn't have done that. And you know, that may be exactly the truth, but doesn't need to be said. Really? Do all ideas need to be expressed? It is very easy. It is a short uh, chain of logic to come and say, they paid $250,000 to get in a submarine that only goes down to, uh, was rated up to 13, maybe 1,600 feet, and they went down four times deeper or three times deeper. And it Im- imploded. And even the, uh, you know, people that aren't divers realize this as well. That's a lot more pressure, isn't it? So I always kind of trying to change the subject to something like that maybe turn the music up uh, especially uh, when that that subject it just leads you down the road of darkness the heart, the heart of darkness you want to stay out of that the same thing goes on uh, after an election when someone doesn't win they start talking some you know talking about sometimes they get rather violent and they're um expressions of displeasure you're um, you talk about people with I mean I've seen discussions get heated about guns about automatic weapons and it just seems that people go when they go down those roads it's hard not to take the rest of the people with you or your crowd leaves and you, you don't want that the kind of vibe I want to do when I'm at at the bar is I want to increase some. I want to be happy, fun, carefree. You know, every so often someone has a tough time. They want to express it. They want to talk about their uh, their nightmare trip to Miami. Nightmare trip, like it's an unusual. You know, driving up and you know people get all traumatized driving into uh, through traffic. I talked about that the other day, about how I was coming back through a storm. I didn't know necessarily 
how to catch my comments. But then I, the way I treated it, I said, well, it was one of the worst trips I've ever made. But I said, you know what? Uh, I figured out ways to work around some of those things. I listened to my navigation app and stuff like that. So I tried to make a positive spin on it because news is news. And there's local news. There's people, I mean, I don't know what it is recently. We've had a lot of people pass away that we're, we were relatively close to. A lot of people. A matter of fact, another one I just heard yesterday. One of our regulars passed away again. And I realize also that I don't, I guess I'm getting older when I realize someone in their 70s, I go, well, they weren't that old. And I don't judge people by their age as much by their vitality, if you get my drift. There's plenty of people I knew in their 30s and 40s that weren't that vital, didn't have a lot of life force in them. But other people you see and say, wow, that person seemed to have a lot of life in them and then they were passed away. Well, I guess I had that uh, vibe going too, but... It's just amazing. And, and I guess because I'm going to be, I'm on the, just south of the border of being 60 years old in uh, almost two months. Yeah, I just blinked when I said that. Getting older, you know, is there something so, I guess, changing to your demeanor? The realization that there's a lot less time in front of you than you had behind you. Now, some people look at that and they see it in fear. You know, they have getting older in the United States. You think about, well, how long am I going to be like for me? I think, well, how long am I going to be able to be mobile? doing my thing, taking care of myself. Not that I take care of myself 100%. Obviously, Abby, my wife and daughter help out greatly. But here I am. They just left on Monday to go to Poland for eight weeks. You know, it's funny with guys. You know, if you've been... I was married for six years, but I was with Abby a lot more than that. The first time I was married, and then I was single for about another seven years. So I got married the first time at 37. I took care of myself just fine until I was 37. But for the last, let's say, 23 years, except for like two years there, I was um, pretty much a, um, a sheltered man when it comes to being in a relationship and living on your own. Oh, let me pause this. It sounds like it's probably going to be a little white. Hold on. So, yep, I'm back. That was Abby calling from Poland. She was giving me a heads up that she was sending. I hate, uh, I love getting calls from my uh, family. But when people text me food when I'm hungry, I should only look at food pictures she sent me pictures of um, uh, hot Hungarian goulash and pierogies and stuff like that. And I, I really, that gets me. That gets me when I'm hungry. 
Yeah. I guess it's like sending a picture of a hot woman when you haven't had any relations in a while. Speaking of that, getting back to it, <clears throat> guys, I guess the same thing goes with women. But um, when guys are left to their own devices, it's almost like we're house cats or an animal, a wild animal that's raised in captivity. You know, lion or a gorilla or something like that. And here you go. You, you know, you spend all this time uh, being domesticated, having, a, you know, the wife around, the kids doing, going to work, coming home and things like that. For most guys, let's go with most guys. Some guys aren't very domesticated. You know, that's another story. But I'm just talking about in general. And then they go away for those trips, like the six-week trip. And then here you are. You're almost like, oh, my God, what am I supposed to do? I got to go to the supermarket. I got to go and shopping. I have to do the laundry. I have to do this. I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. I can imagine it's similar. It's not as an extreme as someone that's separated or divorced. I've seen those guys. They were in a marriage for years, and then they come out, and they don't know how to act. They don't know how to talk to women. They don't know how to talk to other guys about other women. They generally, and I, I, it's just one of those things. They come in. They don't, um, they think they're going to be, I guess it's, I, I can't anthropomorphize what an animal goes through, but... Um, if an animal thought like a man and a man thought, well, if I didn't have to go home, I would be getting so much, uh, running into so many women in their vernacular was be, you'd say, I'd be getting so much tail, which means you'd be meeting a lot of women and having encounters with them. That's what a, a lot of guys think. Oh, if only, you know, you have to put it in perspective. You got to be realistic. A realistic person says, well, I wasn't that great before I met my wife or my significant others. And I wasn't very successful. But luckily, my wife saw through that until, you know, saw, saw who I was, really was. And, but eventually, we got divorced. So now I'm back at it. So you're, guys forget, they're not, uh, they're not the guys they were 20 years ago. But they are almost like they're set in their ways. They're thinking, well, here I am. I'm free. I can just go and meet. And I'm not, I don't have that. Obviously, I don't have that issue because I'm not separated or divorced. I go to my work. Um, and at the end of the night, I would wait like, you know, clean up, hang out, talk to people for uh, 15, 20 minutes, and then finally I go, well, I think I'll go home and eat. I mean, it wouldn't be get you know, the long, for me, at the end of the night, it isn't, it used, well, tw- you know, I guess would have been 15 years ago, it would be getting out of work and maybe going someplace, dropping, a, I, I stopped drinking 15, 16 years ago, but um, I would still like meet some friends someplace. And yeah, it went as well as you might think it would go. Luckily, I was a bartender, and a bartender puts you into an artif- artificial uh, position where you have to talk to people when you're at work. 
people that normally wouldn't necessarily have a reason to talk to you about anything. And so that gave me a leg up on a lot of things. So now, but being that wild creature that was raised in captivity, being released into the wild at the end of the night, you go, what are you going to do? What do you, what do you do? Well, I can like, for me, my big thing now is dining. Yeah. I can eat whatever I want when my girls are away. Now it used to be, I used to eat whatever I wanted. When I had my own place before Abby and I got together, I had, I made sure I had a grill and about three, four nights a week, I ate steak. You know, I have steak and a baked potato. Boom, boom, steak, baked potato. Maybe a pine nut ice cream. Because I was working out. You heard this probably a million times, working out a million times. Now, I'm watching what I eat. Be kind of like a heart-healthy diet. I'm eating black bean burgers, raw spinach, broccoli, uh, meat-based, vegetable-based meat that's made into a pasta sauce. And it sounds gross when you explain it that way, but it's almost like a bolognese sauce. So I do that, but I I still get these cravings. My big hankering, and this is the sad part. This is the sad part. The wife goes away for six weeks. What's the thing you're really craving? Not booze, not drugs, not the company of other women. Chocolate. Chocolate cake. I was thinking at the end of work, I'm working at a restaurant, and I go, what the hell, I should get it. I'm, I'm thinking about taking a cheesecake. I'll get a nice, I'll get three pieces of cheesecake. What, no. This is the way my hands work. Three pieces of cheesecake. I'll do it. I'll eat a little today and a little tomorrow. No. I'll just go to their supermarket because their bakery has great cheesecakes. And I'll buy a whole cheesecake. See, that's where my mind goes. I couldn't really do that. I think about it when Abby's here about getting a cheesecake. But there is certainly the freedom of me just taking a cheesecake and put it in my refrigerator, and no one knows it's there other than I am. Not like anybody's going through my trash. So that's, yeah. And, you know, making sure I take my medication in the morning and stuff like that. Yeah, that sucks. Two months away from 60. Two months away from 60. I got medication. I got almost to this point. If I didn't have that thing in March, I would still be without medication. I'd be just taking a vitamin. So I'm hoping, yeah, in the back of my head, there's, there's this uh, uh, little narrative playing to say, oh, if I take care of myself really well, the doctor will say, you know what, Jim? You don't need that medication. Or, oh, I got, actually got a delivery. I got my shoes. Well, um, that's part of being alone. See, I'm, I, got my, I got my delivery. I go, to, I go to the store. I do the laundry. I'm still acting like I'm in a cage because I go out. I can't. I can't be the Jim Horan that used to be loose in the wild before. The Jim Horan loose in the wild when he was in his twenties, he would walk out the door. Let's say, um, when he was 21, when he moved back into his house, he'd walk out the door and say, "Hey, I'll be back. I'm going into work," and not show up for three days. I did have three days off and stuff, but I mean, I would end up down the shore or something like that. And people say, you know, back 30-something years ago, 
you didn't call home once you left home. I always tell young kids, you know, you know what's a great thing about 30 years ago? When you left your house, most of the time, unless you had a beeper or something like that, even unless you were a drug dealer or thought, you know, a doctor or someone really important, you uh, were incommunicado. Yeah, there was no way of anybody getting a hold of you. Unless, you know, they sent a team of Pinkerton detectives after you. You were by yourself. But today, you're always connected. So you're really never uh, released out of captivity, are you? And when I say captivity, I'm not talking about the women in our lifestyle. The captivity is civilization. The thing, the rules that you abide by. And mine is getting up, going to work, making sure I'm home at a decent hour so I can go to bed because I need my sleep. I can't go with three hours and not sleep. Okay, well, I'm going to cut this short. I got to go to, I got to go into work. I'd like to thank you for listening. I'll be back again next week. Bye.